everyone. Welcome to the new Dakota Boys Talk Movies. Yes, the new Dakota Boys Talk Movies. It's nice to be back. Nice to bring you some some new episodes. And it's a new year. That's right. New year, new us. Just kidding. We're the same people we've always new been. Us. Yeah. I, I've decided this year I'm going to try to gain weight instead of lose weight. You know, because everybody's like, oh, lose weight, lose weight. It's like, nah. Let's see how much I can gain this year. Let's change this up, man. Yeah, my res- my resolution was to not have a resolution. <laughs> oh, man. That's like a, what do they call it, a conundrum? Where it's like, <laughs> yeah. like I res- I'm resoluting something that, oh, man. Uh, my head just exploded. This is like the next Christopher Nolan movie right here. Oh, man. Like the not resolution resolution <laughs> something. You're probably more blown away than that time I was asked what came first, the color orange or the fruit the orange. Oh, oh. Is it is it called the color orange because it's the color of an orange or is that's the a, fruit called an orange because it's a good orange question. in color? Well, for Christmas, we got an Amazon Echo show, so maybe I could ask Alexa. Although, I changed the name of it <laughs> to computer because... You can say pewter, like Lego Batman, and it responds. So I'm just always like, pewter, turn on my music. <laughs> it's pretty great. Oh, man. Uh, but speaking of things like Lego Batman movies that came out this year, that's what this episode is going to be. We're in a new year. New us, I guess. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about some of our favorites of this past year, of of uh, 2017. This was tricky, Dakota. When I was looking over the year, uh, wow, either 2017 lasted for forever or I'm just forgetting how long 12 months is or something. I think when it, I was going back, I was like, that was this year? <laughs> it felt like a million years ago. It's probably due to the fact that every morning we woke up, we were just waking up to horribly depressing news. It could be. I, I did kind of put that into perspective, like... Is this Donald Trump's fault? Everything else is according to Twitter. So maybe even according to him sometimes on Twitter, it's his fault. But he masks it in something else. And so maybe maybe, it, maybe it's Obama's fault. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Putin's behind it all, maybe. It's, I don't yeah, know. But, but we all know that somewhere China and Russia have an influence also. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I was just kind of surprised at some of the movies that were 2017 movies that I forgot were as recent as they were. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. Didn't we have a big movie to kick off the year? I feel like there was something like came out January 4th that just blew people away or something. Well, it was an early movie that I don't know. Logan was Logan, late. Logan was like mid a f- February or March or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. And then uh, let's just go ahead and get started. So we're going to kind of each do kind of our top five. And remember, these aren't necessarily maybe like. The critics, best movies of the year list things. But these were our favorites. We always just kind of do it as like, these are ones we liked for one reason or another, which we'll get into. And so we'll each kind of have five. There will be a little bit of crisscrossing where we might have some of the same movies in different order and things like that. But Dakota, what's your number five? Number five for Dakota is The War for Planet of the Apes. War for Planet of the Apes. Wow. Yes. Where did, Wow. Not many times do you have a third movie that's arguably the best. I mean, when you look at many trilogies, yeah, it's uh, or it doesn't you know over you know 
it just isn't for one reason or another usually the best. Yeah, it's like the second one seems like in trilogies. I don't know if you could call this a trilogy because supposedly they're working working on another one. Well, this is the the Caesar trilogy. Yeah, the Caesar trilogy. But uh, now that you know Disney owns Fox, who knows what's going to happen with this series? I thought about that. I know I don't know if that's yeah. a good thing or a bad thing, but how does it make you feel that? Uh, the Alien Queen is now Disney royalty. Yeah, I that, died a little bit on the inside that, when I realized that. You know, at this point, does it really matter? Yes, uh, because Fox can't seem to do anything right with Alien. <laughs> yes, <laughs> themselves. So why not? Why does it? She can just be a queen. Who cares? <laughs> I just, just want to go to Disney World and like you have a chest burster attack me. <laughs> I was thinking about that. Maybe they could have like you could explore LV four twenty seven. And board the derelict ship, and you see the giant space jockey, and kids are jumping on it, taking pictures with the family. Or this is the new Tower of Terror. <laughs> yeah. You just go through a haunted spaceship, but it's not really haunted. It's just xenomorphs. <laughs> I'd go see that. Yeah, I, mean, I would, too. That'd be crazy. But, okay, so War for the Planet of the Apes. Let's let's get back to that. Yes. Uh, why, why? Why did this make your top five? Uh, you know, this is really just a great movie. Um, I know some people had problems with this, uh, people that were huge fans of like the second one, but this one I thought like, you know, um, it was kind of marketed as like a big budget, like summer movie. And then you go see it and it's like really kind of deep. Like it goes deeper than, uh, probably most of the, most of the critical movies that are just darlings. And they were probably going to win Oscars. I felt that it went a lot deeper than any of those movies. And it had a lot of heart. And, you know, there's there's not much in the way of story with this. But if you, if a CGI ape can really just make you feel. And then you've accomplished something pretty great. I mean, Maurice, he was awesome. Uh, rocket. I can't remember the the big one, the oh the that's the gorilla's C- name. Uh, yeah, that travels with Caesar. I don't remember. I don't remember either. But when he died, I was like, oh man, like <clears throat> I might have to go to the bathroom here. <clears throat> I think too. It's it's just a testament to you know you say CGI and they were CGI, but I think it's a testament to this motion capture technology just reaching a new height in what they can do with it and just getting. Uh, good actors who understand what they're doing to do it, you know. Because I mean, you watch if you watch the side by side, they're using a lot of the facial expressions that the humans, uh, the humans playing the apes are doing, you know. And but yeah, but because they were able to create a world where it wasn't humans, it it allowed them to tell a deeper story in a weird way. I I don't know. It's just it was yeah. It's a. It's really a story about the human condition, told through apes, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. Plus, Woody Harrelson, oddly enough, was a really good villain. Yeah, and yeah, he understood why he was there. Yeah, he understood what he was doing, and he didn't. He didn't. You know, overdo it. He didn't go like full Shane with it or anything. You know, f- he he knew he knew what he needed to do. He thought, you know, when he when I heard him interviewed, he said how he how he 
got himself ready for the role was he looked at the movie in terms of him being the hero. Yeah. And I think that comes through where he, he's always thinking of himself as the right, as in like good and or right and wrong. He looked himself as the right, the good. And then in a weird way, it's like, well, I'm a human. Shouldn't I be on his side? And it kind of has you fighting that too, yeah. which is interesting too. And, and cause you to look at just those ideas of morals and ethics and things like that, which you're talking about, like it, this movie had a lot of, of things like that. And here it was a monkey movie that came out in July. Yeah. You know, like just crazy. All so, right. So yeah, War for the Planet Apes is Dakota's number five. My number five. Now bear with me. Like we said, this is our our favorites. Not necessarily always like the Oscar winners or anything. But my number five is Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> okay. This movie should not have been good. It should have been terrible. Like the worst. It should have been the emoji movie. But it wasn't. It was super fun. It uh they understood how to use the like the Jumanji ideas that were set up in the original Robin Williams one. They understood what like what those were and kind of reimagined it into this new this new idea of oh let's have it kind of evolve itself into a, a video game and then flip it. We'll we'll see it from the perspective of them getting sucked into Jumanji instead of Jumanji coming here. And so that was that was cool to begin with. Just all the ways they played with that, all the ways they played with video game tropes in this movie were hilarious. Like having characters just repeat lines over and over again because they don't have anything else to say. <laughs> you try to get more information and they just say what they've already told you. You know those types of video game things. So it was fun to see that. But then to get uh, the actors they got were like Dwayne Johnson, Jack Black, Kevin Hart, and uh, Karen Gill. Is it Gillen or Gillian? I keep hearing it pronounced as Gillen. Gillen, okay. They were playing the parts as teenagers, as, as the teenagers in their bodies. And I think part of why that worked was that they set up the teenagers' lives and who they were to where they were the teenagers are the ones you're supposed to be caring about in this movie, and the actors you know are the avatars and it and that's what they did. They had you care about those teenagers like you're supposed to, but you're seeing you're seeing a lot of their their actions and things through the the big name actors so that was a lot of fun because. They made that work really well. And then on top of that, they made it just really fun and funny. I, I, It's been a long time since I've just, like, laughed out loud that much at a movie. It just had, just had fun. And so, and Kevin Hart, you know, he, he wasn't annoying, which is always a bonus, you know, where he, he, he had fun with it and and he was funny but he wasn't like too over the top or in Jack Black same way he wasn't too over the top they just uh, all had all had fun with what they were given and made a really fun ride hmm, interesting on a side note uh 
this movie actually did overtake Star Wars The Last Jedi in the box office. Yeah, it took a few weeks. Yeah, which <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, what? Is this, this is a typo? But no, it's uh, shockingly so. Maybe there is something to what Steven's saying. I haven't. Well, the critics, I mean, I think it was in the high 70s on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. which isn't, I mean, that's fresh. Yeah, I think uh, the, the problem is, though, this is the year where people, I think, are demanding Rotten Tomatoes be taken down. I mean, Yeah, well, and that's just dumb. <laughs> I mean, whether you like critics or not, what it, what does that prove? Things do, yeah. I mean, just dumb. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle is my number five, and... Uh, and I mean, it was fun to see in the big screen, but I would even just say like, it's definitely one to check out at, at any point because it'd be you'd have just as much fun watching it at home, um, on whatever whatever floats your boat, Blu-ray or digital or any of those di- things. So, so yeah, that's my number five. So Dakota, let's go to your number four. Ah, my number four. This is actually a movie that came out almost a year ago, John Wick Two. Yeah, that. What was that? A February? Yeah, it was. Uh, it came out uh, around the same time as Logan, I think. Okay, okay. Uh, within a few weeks of it. Um, but yeah, talk about going bigger. <laughs> oh my gosh, people! I don't think anybody in any film ever made has been tried to, <laughs> has tried to been killed more during a movie. Not necessarily in the movie itself, but making it too, because this is Keanu Reeves doing all his own stunts. There's so many, so many fight scenes, like fight scenes that look like they hurt to film. <laughs> well, I mean, it was made by stunt coordinators. Yeah, right? and it was this movie. I guess was shot like, like I can't remember the actual time span, but it was a very short time span. It's like. How did Keanu Reeves get out of bed? Like, this is a man who that's, most people his age... That's true. He's not a spring chicken. What is he, 48? No, I believe he's in his 50s. Shut up. Really? Yeah, we might we might have to look this up. So but, he's up in that Tom Cruise yeah. age group then, huh? Well, you got to remember, he's essentially been starring in movies since the 80s. He was a yeah, teenager. That's true. that's true. So, yeah, when we were being born, he was already like... Whoa. Excellent, dude. <laughs> I don't know what movie he first said that in. Whoa. 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 Kung Fu. Whoa. Yeah, okay. See, I only saw the first one. Now, the first one does have a lot of long, one like one-take type action shots. So does John Wick 2 just kind of up the ante on all that then? Yeah. The, it's, it's, I could sum this up. By, uh, it's kind of... There's parts of this movie where it's nothing but a bullet storm, and there's other parts of this where it's just a dance with two men with pencils trying to kill each other. It's just <laughs> a beautiful, and shockingly, there's not a lot of blood in this. It's not like RoboCop where someone gets shot and like you know the the back wall just explodes. Yeah, and this is a very violent movie, but at the same time, it's also incredibly well done. Uh, there's a fight scene with, uh, well, there's a couple he has, uh, Keanu Reeves has with Common, where it's like, how how are these two guys not dead? Because it didn't look like they were pulling their punches. Uh, uh, camera tricks, man. Yeah, and it's it's just 
a lot of fun. And it, it kind of delves into his world a little more. And at the end of the movie, you're just like, why does it have to end? Can, <laughs> can, can this movie be another hour? Or well, how long was it? Um, I think it's a little over two hours. Oh, funny. But, and you're yeah. like, you're ready. You're just ready for it to be Lord of the Rings lane. Yeah. <laughs> like, can you make a three hour, make the next one three hours and 44 minutes long, please? Yeah, it'd probably be the longest movie of its type if it went three hours because movies like that are usually like 90 minutes (laughs) yeah but it was insane but i loved it oh that's interesting okay so john wick 2 uh my number four was another yeah mine's an action movie but of a different sort uh my number four is thor ragnarok this movie was fun and another kind of fun and funny type. I didn't. You kind of were. There were certain things set up to like lead you to believe that this was going to be funny. Just who they got to direct it, and some of the promotional things they would show you. But I didn't expect to go into that movie and leave and go. I think I just watched a comedy. I I guess that wasn't really something that was on my radar. I expected it to be fun and have funny elements, but I didn't expect to like leave and be like, I think this was more of a comedy than even Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> That's that was kind of kind of strange, but it wasn't jarring uh, to have that happen. But uh, and the other thing that was crazy was talk about like polar opposite of the last Thor movie, which was like grim <laughs> and like muted tones and game of thrones director did it and then all of a sudden they're like full of color and you could just be like well that's why they did it like this to be like polar opposite well maybe probably even but they they did it where it worked it wasn't like a jarring thing like what dc's struggling with where it's like oh that was too grim let's try to lighten it up and then it kind of becomes like jarring and uneven but they kind of found a way to like make it work and i think part of the credit for that has to go to not just who they brought on board to kind of make it in taika watiti but also i think the addition to the hulk and the way they use the hulk ironically lighten the mood considering he's usually a dour character <laughs> as a whole and credit has to go to goldblum oh as man. the grandmaster it was like talk about his best performance in years years i'm talking like since maybe independence day <laughs> best performance because wow. like seriously what else is gold bloom moving where you're like wow that was that was some good gold bloom right there yeah uh he was still a little too too uh too much himself in this movie which... he was kind of the apartments.com <laughs> gold bloom like he is in those apartments.com commercials but in the world that is made and the fact that you're understanding that somehow he's related to or at least same species as the collector it works yeah you know where it's like yeah he's weird but so is the collector (laughs) you know and so i think when you look at it like that it's like that still works yeah there were i mean this movie wasn't like 100 percent perfect but at the end of the day when it was over it was fun. It had action. It had interesting characters. Uh, 
it didn't really I mean, there wasn't anything they could really damage in the Thor universe. I know people were upset about where was you know the people whose names I can't even remember, you know, the tall Gimli and the and the Rob, you know, people are like, I can't believe they weren't in this. Like who, you know, tall Gimli and Robin Hood guy. Like you don't even know their names. Why do you care? They weren't in it. <laughs> yeah. And they were in this. Yeah. Well, that's why people were mad. Cause it was and, basically yeah. like a, like a, here's a shot of them and then they're done or whatever. I think, I think kind of, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. Back to what you said. I think the most odd thing out of that is people are mad that uh, Jamie Alexander's character wasn't here. I'm Lady Sif. And it's like, and people were like, well, you know, in a, in a year where we had Wonder Woman, why wasn't why was she? It's like, okay, whoa, 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 back up, back up, back up. Wonder Woman's its own thing. This is its own thing. Yeah. Just because, you know, one is about a woman. And I know. kind of let that go for two reasons. First off, I'm wondering if maybe they didn't want to take away from Valkyrie, who is a really interesting female thing with, with Thor. And I think number two, there was really no good way to use her because that's a character people actually kind of care about. Number three, I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> I know she's been on it. So maybe, is there an explanation why she wasn't there? Is uh, she off doing something well, the the actual reason was she was filming that TV show she had. Well, there you go. She's filming a TV show. She oh, the tattoo one. Yeah, there you go. But uh, so see, be happy, people. She has a job. The funny, <laughs> the funny thing is, had she shown up, she would have died. I mean, she probably would have died. So maybe yeah. you should be happy she was gone. Otherwise, she would have died with Tall Gimli and Robin Hood. She she <laughs> might show up in Avengers: Affinity War. See? She might not. I mean, so all you gripers, be happy. She's, she can still live. Robin Hood and Tall Gimli, they're, they're, they're gone, man. But I, this, it was just, it was just fun and refreshing because Thor, specifically Chris Hemsworth playing Thor, I desperately want to like him because he's a very, he's very good at Thor and he has, and he's fun in the Avengers stuff. But his own movies kind of blow, and it was just nice to see one that didn't. And kind of, you know, do things with his world. You yeah. Know, so. You know something I thought, this completely blew my mind when I realized it. Taika Waititi was actually in the Green Lantern movie that Ryan Reynolds was in that just bombed. Yeah, that's right. He was, wasn't he? And apparently uh, his directing style when he decided to do this movie, he wanted to do it completely opposite of how Martin Campbell <laughs> did Green Lantern. And I'm like... Ouch! I mean, oh, that's great. So had, I, well, it had color, <laughs> and I was thinking, I was like, you know, Martin Campbell's done some good movies. Yeah, <laughs> he, here and there, here and there. He delivered, you know, one massive bomb, and all of a sudden his directing style is like considered crap. And I was like, ouch! He's had a couple, a couple bombs. So. Yeah, so Phil Ragnarok's my number four. Dakota, what's your number three? Ah, moving on to number three. This one. Uh, is going to be probably on, like, a lot of critics' uh, top ten list. Or Dakota hopes so, anyway. This year. And it's it's not, like, surprising why, because it's actually a really made film, really well-made film. I'm talking about Get Out. Oh, okay, yep, yep. Yeah, which... Uh, kind of an odd title for like a kind of, uh, you know, they call it a horror movie, but I didn't really think it was 
a horror movie? I thought it was a psychological thriller. Well, it's kind of, I think it's the same reason he's now, the guy who made this, Jordan Peele, is now in charge of rebooting Twilight Zone. Because a lot of people consider Twilight Zone horror, and it's not horror either. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of in that Twilight Zone-esque field, um, from what I can gather. I haven't seen it, but I know about it. And so it just seems Twilight Zone-esque, the way it kind of flows. I mean... Just from everything, from the beginning all the way to the end, this movie kind of just just leaves you like, oh, man, where's this going next? And it is it is really refreshing to go to a movie. I'm kind of one of those guys who like, tries to guess the end or see like the twist coming or something. Sure. So, uh, and then this, like, you know, no idea what, what's going to happen. Um, there were some great performances from some actors who were more well-established. Um, and the film's message about kind of black people being marginalized. Um, you know, sometimes when you try to do a film that has like a message like that, it gets really heavy handed mm-hmm. and it kind of like will overtake the film and that it'll leave you with that what it is. But this movie was just kind of so, so kind of just got in your head that at the end of it, you're just like, Oh man, what, what would I do if I was in that situation? Granted, I'm not black <laughs> and I'm pretty sure nobody would ever want to like steal my body unless they were like Mr. Burns, just old <laughs> and decrepit and dying of like all these diseases. And they're like, just bring me a body. I don't care. I don't care if it's not that tall and kind of pudgy or very pudgy. Just give me a body. But yeah, um, just really strong movie. And considering who the director was, it was even more of a shock. Yeah, it, yeah. If you're not familiar with Jordan Peele, he's he's from the well, pretty famous Comedy Central show Key and Peele, and is known for just ridiculous, goofy comedy. Yeah, really, and to direct something that's kind of this kind of oddly enough plays into everything. Oddly enough, this story came from. A weird source. It came from Eddie Murphy. The inspiration was Eddie Murphy. I can see that. Yeah. Eddie Murphy, he's... People may hate his movies, but he kind of has... Like, if you've ever heard his comedy, and some of it gets a little rough in language, <laughs> but he was kind of the original Chris Rock, like the way he talked about race stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, it's kind of up his wheelhouse. Yeah, but I guess once upon a time... Did he get a story credit then? Eddie, uh, Eddie well, Murphy? well, no, it was just he was kind of telling uh, uh, the director about this time he was dating a white girl and he, I guess, went to what he considered out in the middle of nowhere to meet her family. And he was playing in his head all these scenarios like, like, what if they're cannibals? <laughs> what if they're racist? <laughs> or what if they, like, you know, lock me in the lock me in the basement, torture me? Just playing all these scenarios that were going through his head, and I guess he was legitimately worried about what was going to happen. And I was like, "Yeah, which is interesting." Uh, yeah, just because obviously I, I'm in the, I'm even paler than you, Dakota. I mean, <laughs> I I don't I have no sense of the black experience, as they call it, to understand the thoughts that are going through their head and to think and to look at it from a different point of view um, is how white people can sometimes get nervous when they're all of a sudden surrounded by a lot of minorities. 
I've actually, you know, and to see it and to understand it from a different perspective with a different thought process is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, it's and, I, and I think it's just it's it all plays into that same fear we all have, and it's fear of the unknown, and fear of of not being able to. Uh, well, it just it all really just goes back to the unknown. Well, yeah. you just don't know, and you there's you just don't know what could happen, and yeah, it's interesting. All right, definitely recommend uh, seeing this movie. Uh, you know, everyone I talk to, it seems like I'm like the only one that saw this, and I don't know if it was just because I. It just it seems like you know overall it was really successful, obviously. Yeah. But it seems like a, where we live, it didn't play as well, and I don't know what that says about us or <laughs> anything. I don't think you look into it whole too much. It just for whatever reason. Whether it was when it came out or the fact that it was R or whatever, you know, it just didn't seem to play as as uh, big around here as it did nationwide and even the world to a, in a way. So, um, yeah, my number three is uh, also involves someone having uh, a, big ex- a big experience and change in their life, and it's the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was amazing. I don't know what else to say. Uh, again, it may not be and probably won't be nominated for like best animated feature, but holy cow, uh, definitely one of the best animated movies of the year, just in terms of fun and the fact that it had a really good story to it. Um, and just taking Batman and be like, okay, what what can we do with the Batman we created in Lego movie? And give it its own twist, but still have, like, kind of a deeper message there. And so it's like, well, let's just kind of have him be, like, the I'm completely awesome, like, guy, you know, like, in public, he's just, like, everything. He just, yeah, Batman, and he just treats himself like he's the greatest thing ever. And then you realize he's just a lonely, sad man. When, <laughs> when he's home, He's he has no friends. He has He's, like, emotionally disconnected from the world and even Alfred. And so it it was it was something that that's there. I think a lot of people can sometimes miss that in the way it was promoted or even when they're watching it, it's like, oh, this is just stupid silly jokes or whatever. But I mean, when you watch it, it's all right there. It's just it's really the story of a man who's disconnected and is actually at the end of the day just super lonely. <laughs> and uh it kind of him his story of kind of coming through that through um an innocent little boy who comes into his life <laughs> uh voiced by uh that Juno guy what's his name Michael something Michael Sarah yes. Michael Sarah of all people voicing an innocent little boy <laughs> well he has that voice I he mean he has the voice but i mean he's just not usually very innocent in the things he's yeah. in <laughs> and uh that's the other thing with his movie it's got Everyone I thought was cast really well for with their voices. Will Arnett obviously already knocked it out of the park in Lego Movie, which is why this movie happened. And I think he even just upped the ante for how how great he is at being the voice of this particular Batman. Maybe not every kind of Batman, you know. Maybe he's not the Kevin Conroy uh, of Batman, but he's definitely the Lego Batman voice. And um, Michael Sarah as as. Uh, as Dick Grayson slash Robin, Rosario Dawson as as uh, Barbara Gordon slash Batgirl, Ray Fine 
as Alfred, I'm like thinking like, why don't they? Why didn't they hire this guy as Alfred in the <laughs> DC universe? Although Jeremy Irons works for as much as they use him, I guess. Uh, just just great all around. I think Hector Elizant. Eli, how do you say Elizondo? Yeah, was uh, Commissioner Gordon, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because I, I remember the first time I watched it, like that. I know that voice, and then I realized that's who it was. So just like just great uh, voices to kind of bring this whole world to life. Zach Galifianakis as the Joker worked wonderfully. He played that well. So it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, and just a just a cool cool neat little story in there in the midst of a really fun movie. You know, just to kind of throw a little bit in here, I was surprised at how many, like, references were in this movie, not just to... It was crazy. Uh, Batman, other Batman things, yeah. but, like, other films. Right. They were flying fast and furious in this movie, like, which which some people were like, oh, I couldn't even catch them all. Like, it doesn't matter, though. Like, even if you don't catch them all, it's not fun. And then it gives you something fun the second and third time you watch it. Yeah. Uh, without spoiling anything, there is a Twilight Zone, back to the Twilight Zone, reference in this movie. And I saw it the first time, and I lost my friggin' mind. I was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and then my girlfriend just, like, looked at me and was like, quit it. You're being awkward. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Lego Batman, I don't know. Every time I'd go back over what I was going to decide on for my list. Like, I just couldn't take this one out. It was just too too fun. And in a weird twist of events, uh, a character that Ray Fiennes played popped up in this movie, and he didn't do the voice. Yeah, so Ray Fiennes, who's the voice of Alfred, yeah, he's also the one who plays Voldemort, and but he wasn't the voice of Voldemort. No. So it was just kind of funny. It's like, well, he's right. Why didn't they just have him do this voice or whatever he does? <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Uh, Dakota, let's go on to your number two. Get up in the deuces here. Ah, number two. <laughs> you know, honestly, in any other year, I think this, pro- especially uh, maybe last year, uh, I'm referring to 2016 now, this probably would have been the number one. And I'm talking about it. Okay. This movie was solid, like gold brick solid. I mean, you take a sledgehammer to this thing. Just for the record, uh, Dakota's number two is a solid brick. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. That's for all my junior high friends out there. Thank you very much. It's Steven out. (laughs) Okay. What was I saying? Oh, yes. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, Kind of... The only reason I was a fan of the original It, the made-for-TV movie, Tim Curry. I think that was everybody. Yeah. Uh, essentially, Well, once... I mean that in a netto tool. <laughs> uh, basically, Harry Anderson. For me, the only reason I sit through it and that I enjoyed it was basically because of Tim Curry. Uh, didn't really care for uh, the quote-unquote adult part of the story. You know, when the kids grow up and they come back to... Um, at that point, the movie just, like, goes off the rails, and it's, like, it's really hard to stay focused. <laughs> Especially when they're in the Chinese restaurant, things go sideways. It's just, for me, it's like, why do people like this? And my mom, who absolutely is not a fan of movies, loved this growing up. So, occasionally, I would, like, have to sit with her and watch it. 
Dang, that's like an over three-hour miniseries. Yeah, too. it was. <laughs> she would like sew or quilt, or and I would just be sitting there like, oh man, I could be watching. Sitting there holding her her yarn skein, yarn ball, while she's. <laughs> I was sitting there and be like, I could be watching Beetlejuice right now. <laughs> yeah. Beetlejuice, but uh, this new one, oh man, uh, the previous one doesn't even compare to it, and I'm gonna put this out there. And I need you guys not to freak out. It's actually better than the book. Ooh. <laughs> because here's my problem with the book, and it's kind of equates to my problem with Stephen King. There's a lot of crazy ideas in the book. He has a tendency to do that in all his stuff. Just like, throw in like weird extra things. Like if uh I don't know, Rod Serling did a bunch of acid. And then hung out with, uh, oh, man, I'm trying to remember uh, what was the, the Gonzo reporter's name? Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> hanging, out, hanging out with Hunter S. Thompson. And they talked about. And they the, were shooting guns <laughs> together. And they were talking about the craziest stuff they ever seen. <laughs> they couldn't come up with anything as crazy as what's in the book. And I'm just, you know, this movie, it gathers, like, up all the good parts and add some of its own stuff in there so it doesn't feel like you know what's going to happen and it just it it just runs and it everything just flows i mean uh in a way i'm kind of glad they they decided to break up the book because uh otherwise it would have been like a 4 hour movie and well I'll, when you have like a whole childhood plot and a whole adult plot it would have been hard to do in a 2 hour yeah. movie and then I feel like probably both sets of uh, time periods would have suffered for it. Sure. Whereas this time, uh, this one's set in the 80s, and I was kind of like bracing myself. I was like, oh, this is going to be like Stranger Things, where there's all this crazy references to the 80s. Sure. Popular stuff. In the, but it's really not. I mean, it's just kind of like, oh, they're living in the 80s, but they don't really like constantly like, oh, uh, look at my... Uh, Look at my new ACDC shirt. Is yeah. that album great? Just setting up like a realistic 80s. Yeah, and what makes this film, what helps this film is the kids are actually really good actors. And they're so charming, they kind of just they kind of just get you to root for them. And then Bill Skarsgård, who I just recently found out is like part of the Skarsgård family. Yeah, yeah, like he's like one of Stellan's kids. Yeah. Um he does a really good job, and he just, like, creeps the hell out of you <laughs> and doesn't... Doing his job. Huh? Yeah, doesn't ever lay off the gas, and you're just constantly, like, sitting there. I, I don't think I've... It's been a while since I was actually in a movie theater full of people and legitimately got scared. But in this one, I was. So, my hat's off to the the, the director of this movie, the cast this was just this is an amazing film it it was almost like just it was essentially the only thing i equated to was the horror the horror movie version of stand by me you know it's just just about some kids on a crazy adventure battling against a clown you know yeah i mean yeah i'm with you on the stephen king here he he has these good ideas and then he elaborates them into these gigantic <laughs> weirdo messes and so because it was like 
when he says what the actual themes of his books are supposed to be, it was like, really? That's what it was? Because, I mean, it was supposed to be kind of an ode to coming of age. Yeah. But he kind of, I mean, but why was his book, like, so gigantic? <laughs> you know, he just has some more than it needed to have, I'm sure. You know, yeah. It was what's going on there. He tried to, in the book, I don't know if you've ever read it, I think he's trying to be, he tries to throw, like, the cosmic horror in there. And then that's when, like, things just just completely are like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, he, he likes to create uh, God and Devil characters, but in a very atheistic way, which is interesting. Like, he likes to have all these, like, it's just funny to have someone who who does that because it's like, well, you're just creating a different form of God and the Devil. Like, no, it's not God and the Devil. <laughs> Something yeah. It's just kind of weird. But uh, anyway, okay, so it it was a, uh, and that was like supposed to be kind of it was kind of a Halloween movie, right? It came out like October or yeah. September. September. I think it was beginning of October. Because I know it was credited with saving the summer because there was kind of a box office slump, and then it came yeah. out kind of in later, like early fall. I know around Halloween time is when. I went to see it a second time, and like the theater was still like really full. So yeah, it kind of just kept gaining steam the longer it was in theaters. It seemed like so. Um, okay, all right. And so that was your number two, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, my number two is one that uh, came out more recently, but I did see it twice, and so uh, and I have you know obviously thought about it some and completely settled on that I. I really liked it, and I really liked what they did with it. And it's uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. I I don't I don't know what to say about this movie that hasn't already been said one way or the other. <laughs> but I would be on the positive side. Uh, I'm not saying that this movie was perfect. I understand people's issues with the whole Finn Rose storyline of it and what that had to do with anything. But at the end of the day. Overall, this is ex- whether you like it or not, this is what Star Wars needed. It needed this is what everyone who was unhappy with Force Awakens should have wanted because they're like, "Oh, Force Awakens is New Hope remade." Like, well, Ryan Johnson gave you what you wanted then because he expanded the universe. He took it in new directions and honestly uh didn't create more questions which can be a problem when you do things like this but instead just kind of broadened things to have more to more to play with in the future and i really liked uh even even some of the the things that people had issues with with with, with like uh the casino planet and things like that i understood what he was trying to do there and i thought that was kind of an interesting uh take on uh just exploring, just looking at war from a galactic point of view, and how and 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 because you do kind of wonder about that at the other Star Wars, like where are all these weapons coming from, you know, and all these supplies, you know, it has to be they have to be getting their, you know, there has to be some sort of sh- you're kind of understanding that there is a certain amount of trade and shipping happening in space, but we've never really seen where that comes from, and so to kind of expand that a little bit was cool, and just expand. Uh, the awakening of the force a little bit in some of those ways was just interesting, and I, and again, I'm this is probably going to go a little bit against maybe what quote unquote popular opinion is, although I'm 
don't like to use that because popular opinion these days just means what you read on Twitter and <laughs> Facebook, which isn't very accurate usually. But I liked Luke. I thought that this Luke made sense. Uh, Mark Hamill even eventually came around after seeing the movie and said, yeah, this worked. You know, this was this was a Luke that worked with what they're doing here. I I enjoyed that. The Luke Ray stuff I thought was some of the highlights of the movie. <laughs> honestly, all the things that happened there. And, and I, well, honestly, anyone that Ray ended up interacting with, and not just because of Ray, uh, but, like, Luke was good. But then Kylo Ren, uh, they just deepened him where, you know, he became... Everybody after the Force Awakens kind of turned he turned into this like emo Kylo Ren, which I follow that on Twitter. That is pretty funny, the emo <laughs> Kylo Ren stuff. But I this movie just emotionally deepened his character so much, and you understand his motives even more. Where he's arguably like the best Star Wars villain that they've ever had. I mean, just because you actually understand all of his his motives as they're as they're going and you're emotional you're always emotionally attached to him in, in wondering of of what's going to happen next or what he could do cuz he's he's also very unhinged it's like how is he going to end up just like punching the wall or killing someone you don't know and so it makes it kind of it just adds to that dynamic a lot and uh i i don't know i just i just found it a very fun movie i liked Poe's storyline again not all the things they did with that whole storyline were perfect, but at the end of the movie, I liked what they did with that, and so I, I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So I don't, Dakota. I don't know what. Yeah, if you have any little two cents to throw in, uh, I'd rather not. <laughs> okay. Hey, that's your top ten list, man. Our top five was not mine. I don't want to take anything away from it. So all right, so yeah, so yeah, Last Jedi is my number two. Uh, and so, yeah, we're going to go on to number ones now. So the big number ones, the, the drum roll time. So Dakota, what was your favorite movie All right, of cute. 2017, at least as of now, until you change your mind? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. All right. Cue the fanfare, everybody. And my number one is Wonder Woman. Oh, there it is. A lot of you who've been listening to our podcast probably have been getting a sense that Dakota's going to have to bring this up at some point, and he only had number one left. Because <laughs> if you listen to our Wonder Woman review, Dakota talked very highly of this movie. <laughs> yes, very easily. One of the best of the year. In a year where we had uh, quite a bit comic book movies that were pretty strong. This, yeah, yeah, definitely a lot more on the positive side. Yeah, this one blew me away. Uh, I essentially went to see this, not sure what to expect. Um, the thing I kind of kept going back to in my mind was there was a Wonder Woman animated film that kept, uh, that popped up years ago. I think it, I don't think, I think Steven was childless at this point, so it's been <laughs> out for a while. Yeah, I think I was. That, cause that would have been like, well, I don't know, 2000 six or seven wasn't carrie russell like the voice <laughs> yeah, of- lifetime ago um but i was kind of thinking in my head I was like well if they it's like i hope they just don't try to like do something like that where uh and of course they were 
uh, taking inspiration from 300 a little bit. Yeah, oddly enough. And I just wasn't sure what to make of it. And I was like, okay, we're just going to, we're just going to go opening weekend. We'll get it out of the way. Uh, I get, um, I was pretty sure Steven wasn't too stoked to see this movie. (laughs) I was on the fence. I was on the fence about it, but I, yeah, it also came out at a time when it was harder for me to get to movies and stuff. But yeah, I was really on the fence about it. Yeah. And then you go see it and within like 20 minutes, you're just sucked into this world and it was just so amazing and you just you just loved everything that Patty Jenkins had done. It's like, who is this woman? Where's she been? Why why are why are we just getting a movie like this now? Why haven't we because let's be honest, folks, for the longest time, uh movie studios kinda teased us with like, Oh, we're gonna do a female superhero movie or in the case of uh Peggy Carter, uh, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., a TV show. And then they come out, and it's kind of underwhelming. I mean, Catwoman was just a god-awful movie. And had a weird director, too. Yeah. That didn't help. (laughs) Yeah. Oddly enough, uh, completely getting off sidetrack, I found out that was supposed to be directed by Tim Burton originally. I can see. I mean, that makes sense. And people, it was people liked Pfeiffer's woman, Catwoman. Yeah, it was supposed to have her Catwoman in it, and I guess that's where the kind of weird, you know, oh, the cats can give you life or some crap come came from. Oh, they just continued with that mythology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, odd. I know. Odd. But anyway, back to this great movie I'm talking about. <laughs> um, like I said before, this movie kind of falls victim to. Some of the cliched things that um, Warner Brothers is trying to do with their superhero movies, but they were so minor, and you can't kind of forgive them. Chris Pine, I thought, was great. Uh, so were the others in this movie. Uh, kind of having trouble remembering who the German general was, the actor that played him. Oh, uh Danny Houston? Yes, Danny Houston. What a man that old, what a man that age is still doing being called Danny, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably just like a screen, they like just stuck with it as a screen name, yeah. I guess. Yeah, but uh, oddly enough, yeah, this everything about this movie I just loved. Um, was pretty grateful that they downplayed the CGI as much as they did. Because I really feel like... It's overused in movies these days. Um, And yeah, this just a good movie all around. There was love, war, death. Kind of delved into uh, the whole concept of, as well as man, evil, and nature, or is it just like outside influences? Yeah. Yeah, I did did find that was, I think, the strongest storyline, which I thought. Uh, they should have stuck with a little harder than they did because I thought that was really interesting because they had her like so dead set on Ares was the one causing all the problems in the world. And I was like, I was really interested in what they were going to do with that. I thought that was a really interesting way. Like, is this f- man that's making this whole mess or, yeah, or is it like this kind of supernatural influence? That was a really interesting yeah. 
uh, take on that. So, yeah. And I thought just the whole uh, the whole Amazonian part was really interesting. Just that island, you know, her island she came from, just the things they did there. I was just like, wow, this is kind of cool. You know, it's kind of interesting and cool and different. And aspects of it were like what you wanted the first Thor to be more like. Like, yeah. you know, just her, her island should have maybe should have been more like how they did Asgard or something like it is it is crazy though. Um you know, when Justice League came out, so many people were angry at how they portrayed the Amazons as yeah, opposed to this movie. And I mean there is subtle differences. I mean the Amazonians and Wonder Woman, yeah, they're they're obviously physically like very fit. But in um Justice League, holy cow, they could they they obviously used female bodybuilders. Wasn't so, it like the same women though? Pretty much. Uh, you didn't really see some of the same actors. Um, it was you know scenes when uh, Steppenwolf comes to Themyscira, and in the uh, the ancient battle scenes, yeah, they're 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 stacked, man. I'm pretty <laughs> sure some of these women could probably pick me up and slam me on the floor. The that whole sequence where they're trying to keep that weapon ahead of Steppenwolf. You know, like, they're shooting their yeah. arrows. Dr- that is, like, the coolest sequence in the Justice League <laughs> movie. Uh, if Zack Snyder did that scene, which I'm guessing that was a scene he did. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, props, man. That was a cool sequence. It was just, yeah. it was exciting, and you were right there with their struggle to, like, keep it away from him, and it was just cool. Yeah. So. But, yeah. Oh, and he also uh, got flack for... Uh, Putting the Amazonian in the metal bikinis in Justice League. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I don't even know if I would have thought of that <laughs> if it weren't for people griping. Like, I didn't, I wasn't sitting there going, oh, baby, oh, yeah. But I mean, it wasn't like, uh, I guess I just didn't think about it. Yeah. They just, always, they, the Amazonians just always seem like they're, no matter what they're wearing, they seem underdressed for who, <laughs> for what they are. It's kind of like when you watch 300, it's like they're very underdressed for going into battle. Well, they are supposed to be Greek. And, Nobody you know. griped with 300. Like, why are they naked, practically? <laughs> Who goes into battle in just underwear? <laughs> but with that, we're like, I wonder how hard they worked on those six-packs. Oh, that's, that's what we think about with 300. But if a woman goes into battle like that, it's like, yeah, how dare. That's, I find odd because people are, I'm not trying to say feminists, but it's like, People were upset that they were so well built. It's like, why? I mean, these women like worked really hard. Are I mean, Amazonians supposed to be like, like basically the idealistic perfect woman? Isn't that kind of thing? Yeah, like, they're like fit, tone, perfect height, or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, there you go. <laughs> and then something to kind of keep in mind is they do kind of, even in Justice League, they do kind of hold their own. I mean. Steppenwolf's essentially like a yeah, god, though. That's what I'm I mean, saying. Like, I turned to my wife because she's a good wife, and she went to that movie with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we kind of both, I remember, were talking about how that. I mean, the Amazonians were some of the was like one of the best parts of that movie. Yeah. But okay, so yeah, Wonder Woman is a Dakota top ten now. To be fair, I know you already had an affinity for that character just from the comic books and things like that, uh, but. Also, as we see in today's world, the more you like something, the more you should hate the movies. 
Because we've seen that with Star Wars and with pretty much every other comic book movie. It's yeah. like the more you like that thing, the more you should hate every movie that comes out. But Dakota actually likes the character moment and liked that movie. So a way to be different, even though that seems like that should be the norm. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So, I mean But yeah, I it was enjoyable. I didn't I had moderate expectations for it and I, I, I honestly still the best part of Wonder Woman was just Gal Gadot herself, she just she's magnetic in that role. You yeah. you want her to succeed, you like her. She's a warrior and at the same time has an innocence, and I think she just played all that wonderfully, honestly. And she's beautiful, which fits that character yeah. too to be just like a beautiful woman. So yeah, all right. Well, my number one. My number one also shouldn't be that much of a shock to any of you if you listen to our previous episodes is the one I haven't talked about that I raved about in a in a previous episode is and one that Dakota already brought up I think is his number five yeah is War for the Planet of the Apes. We already kind of talked a lot about this, so I won't spend too much time. Other than there's just a couple of reasons why this is really just my favorite of last year. First off, uh. Just the performances, all of the performances from from top to bottom, from Little Nova to Andy Serkis and Woody Harrelson, everybody held their place. Even the characters who don't really say anything, like Rocket, you know, just incredible. Yeah. You were just, you were in, you were in for it all. And I loved that. There, that this really was the the best way to kind of bring everything to culmination was just to be like everything Caesar's been doing has been leading to really what's in this movie and not not battles. That's the thing. It's like there there's a different way you could look at the war that's in that title. Yeah, there's an actual war going on, but I think it's what Matt Reeves brought up. Like this is really a war for Caesar's soul. <laughs> yeah, uh, his world is falling apart around him. And he has to decide who he wants to be. And then on top of that, it ultimately becomes a Ten Commandments story of him being a Moses of sorts yeah. to his people. But at the same time, battling what's just his vendetta, you know, toward things that have happened and what is what he should be doing. And uh, so, yeah, just performances, just overall, just the filmmaking, just this movie, just... Everything just looked so good in this movie. And uh, Michael, I think it was probably Michael Giacchino's best score of this past year. And he's done, he did a lot of scores this past year, like Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I think even the Coco, that Pixar movie. Just like he was involved in a lot of different movies over the past just couple years where it's like, you do that many movies, don't you just, doesn't things just get redundant? I mean, like, you know, when... I said this when James Horner passed away, which isn't a very nice thing maybe to say about someone who died, but his scores got pretty repetitive. There was always gonna yeah. be there was always gonna be these things that were in him where I was like, Okay, yeah, James Horner. And Michael Giacchino, you you always kind of have an idea of maybe when it's him. Uh, but he always brings a newness to the table and and does something with it that fits the story, and I think War for Planet of the Apes is probably like his best score. And so I think that just adds to the movie because uh, it really needed that when you're relying a lot on 
just people's faces and apes' faces to have the moments mean something, you need to have the right music there or it's just not going to work as well. And so that that was just another aspect I wanted to bring up, something that just really helped that movie just reach the top. And I, I'll be really bummed out if the Academy doesn't nominate Andy Serkis. They won't, though. <laughs> yeah, they're a little but too snobby, honestly. I, I really wish they would, because as far as I know, I haven't looked at the Golden Globe list, but I'm assuming he wasn't nominated for a Golden Globe. No, unfortunately. This, uh, either. So, but it's it's really too bad. Um, Andy Serkis puts a lot of time and effort into these performances, and you can just see his care in the final product, in how well he does. And it, I, I just I'm waiting for the day for him to really get recognized outside of just people talking about it. You know, he might with the Jungle Book movie he's supposed to do. But at yeah, the I'm s- still interested how that's going to work out. I don't know. We'll see. But at the same time, that's all kind of a slippery slope because we just had a Jungle Book movie. Yeah, and I think people are like speculating if that movie's even still going to happen. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I kind of feel bad for him because I think that was going to be like his way to kind of bring all of his work together. And uh, I don't know. You yeah. know, Warner Brothers really wants to do more stuff with Lord of the Rings. It's like... Maybe it's time for Gollum to get his own solo movie. Yeah, or do a, do a Silmarillion movie and then have him be, like, I don't know, one of those big characters in that, you know, or something like that. You know, just putting this out there, I'm saying this only because I'm really, really secure in my sexuality. He could <laughs> actually be a leading man because he's he's actually pretty handsome, I mean, in the movies he's been in. I mean... As far as just like a middle aged British guy goes, I mean, I take yeah, him he's... over. Uh, uh, what's his name? Not Colin Firth, <laughs> the other one who was in all the stupid rom coms in the nineties. Hugh Grant. Oh, Hugh Grant. Yeah, I take him over Hugh Grant. Yeah, well, that's why I'm excited. Uh, we'll talk about this in in another episode here, but excited to see him be himself as a villain in uh, the Black Panther movie. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, because he doesn't get to play himself a lot, or, you know, as in be him, look like himself on screen for the most part, other than having his whatever mutton chops that he has when he's Ulysses Claw. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But that's my number one. A few I was going to bring up. Uh, Dakota, do you have any, like, honorable mentions, like one that didn't make it? Like, I know one that Dakota talked about a lot. I don't, I don't remember us talking about this before the show. Was you really liked Wind River. Yes, that was a good one. Um, really under um, appreciated, even though oh my gosh, the whole the whole movie kind of like haunted you and stayed with you for a little bit after you watched it. Um, and then you know, there's the other big ones, uh, Transformers. Last one, just I'm kidding. This is a piece <laughs> of crap. Um, Logan, Logan was great. Logan's definitely one of my honorable mentions. Uh, just. It's or it's surpassed and it elevated, really what a comic book movie can be. Yeah, Dunkirk, Dunkirk, really another solid film. You know, um, that movie came out last year, and then they're doing uh, the Darkest Hour. Yes, I feel like those two movies could be spliced together. I I thought about it too because. Uh, when I when I heard there was gonna be a Winston Churchill movie, and then I saw what it was about, I'm like, well, God, it's essentially gonna involve Dunkirk. Yeah. So, uh, which, yeah, which may this is Gary Oldman, I think, trying for his Oscar. <laughs> he 
he looks like a pretty convincing Churchill. Yeah. Not just in looks, but also just in action in the previews I've seen. Kind of so. shocking because he's pretty lithe. I mean, just like really slender. and Yeah, he's a pretty lean guy. Yeah. Yeah, so it is kind of funny to see him just play such a not just – I think why Oldman – Got the role, though, is because he's still very charismatic, which is what Churchill yeah. was. I mean, Churchill's a very charismatic man. So, yeah, yeah, Dunkirk. Uh, any other kind of honorable mentions, ones you really enjoyed? I had some, but they're slipping my mind right now. Uh, oh, in the vein of John, the John Wick movies, Atomic Blonde. Okay. Very well made. Uh, I was kind of expecting this schlocky kind of tribute to 80s action movies. And it was, it was essentially kind of, like I said, the same style of John Wick, and it, it was so good that I was thinking to myself, man, if they make the Wonder Woman sequel, they should, they should just, oh, I'm forgetting, uh, Charlize Theron. They should just put Charlize Theron in it. She's worked with Patty Jenkins. And instead <laughs> of, instead of having you know Wonder Woman take on some CGI bad guy. In a full blown CGI fight, just have her and Charlize Theron like fight it out. Because I was amazed at how how good the uh, the action scenes were, and I guess she did a lot of them by herself. There were very few she didn't. She She's didn't a pretty shoot. athletic person. Yeah, so. huh? Uh, another one I know you've brought up. To, I'm just gonna do, just think of them for you. But am I correct in thinking you like Baby Driver? Oh my gosh, how could I forget? Uh yeah, this one you know, I was debating it putting on the my top five, but to be honest with you, it it's one of those movies after I've seen it like three times. Um I probably won't watch it again for a while. Just because it it does kind of the end like the third act does kind of slog down and uh, at that point, it becomes more of like a traditional kind of uh, on the run tale, on the run from the police and on the run from the bad guys. And I, I feel like it detracts a little. Sure, sure, okay. And and I'll jump on the bandwagon and be like, oh, it has that monster Kevin Spacey in it. <laughs> <laughs> the film must be burned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think with that, though, we'll go ahead and we, we'll bring this, this show to a close. Uh, a couple others that I'll just say these quick. These are just two that surprised me. They they just surprised me because they were actually good and shouldn't have been. And that was Cars Three and Kong Skull Island were two movies that were like, wow, these are these shouldn't have been good, and they kind of were. Kong Skull Island being yeah. amazingly, awesomely dumb, stupid, awesome fun, <laughs> and Cars Three being the sequel to Cars that we needed, <laughs> yeah, or, or wanted. It's it's so. weird though because throughout the year. After Kong Skull Island came out, um, it kept getting comparisons to uh, Aliens, and I'm like, "Wow, people think it's, you know, it really does depend on your value, <laughs> uh, the value you have of Aliens." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to me, it's like that's that's a pretty good comparison. It's like for, for the just for the for the most part, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty. Uh, should be honored to be compared to. Yeah, no kidding. So, but yeah, so we're going to bring this episode to a close and not keep you too much longer. We thank you for listening. And uh, uh, the, like I said, these are just movies that we just had a lot of fun or 
in terms of it, Dakota peed his pants a few times watching. <laughs> so it was fun in the scary sort of way or something like that. Uh, but yeah, we just, obviously, as you can tell, we just enjoy movies and, uh, we hope you do too. And so we're going to be bringing you more in the future here and not have such big, like long breaks in between episodes. Hopefully we're trying to narrow those gaps there a little bit to bring more to you. But yeah, so thanks for listening to this episode. This is Steven. This is Dakota. Adios. Adios.